Clay. It's fitting as you and Amanda are covering a bunch of Stephen King second string movies on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Penske file. This calendar year, 2022, our Lord. Um, we also get the clown episode of Star Trek Voyager, which just nicely snuggles sort of into the middle, but more towards the end, uh, closer to the, the re- what are you doing? The remake? No, you did the remake. You're doing the original in December of it, right? Yes. The 1990 television. Tim Curry tour de force performance television movie. Well, I guess, is this the degrees of Kevin Bacon? Have Tim Curry and Michael McKeon ever been in the same movie? That seems like they would be Ooh, at some point. Really good question. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I was looking at McKean. He's been in so much that you might yeah. not immediately identify as what he's been in, but maybe, maybe there's they, some sort of link there. They both um, played the Joker, so that kind of counts a little bit. How did he play? When did he play the Joker? Uh, Michael McKean did the voice of the Joker in the Legends of the Dark Knight episode of Batman, the animated series, where they tell different stories about different versions of Batman. He's the Joker in the 1950s send-up. Okay. And Tim Curry was actually the original choice for the Joker for Batman, the animated series. Um, And you can actually find his... uh, Takes. His his test, his tryout test dialogue online. Mm -hmm. Um but they obviously decided to go with Mark Hamill instead. So I guess technically he didn't really play the Joker, but close enough. Close enough. It all links together, and it comes together in this episode of Star Trek Voyager, which is called The Thaw. It's the 23rd episode. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a fucking idiot. They were both in Clue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm an idiot. We've done it. How could you? We What? We've done it. We've we've linked we've linked the two oh, successfully. I thought, <laughs> Not that I thought you meant like people. we had. We I thought you meant we had covered Clue, and I was like, <laughs> we did. I have no memory of that whatsoever. We only talked about the first ending though, because it was a short podcast. Um, <laughs> this is the Thaw twenty third episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on April 29th, nineteen ninety six. I'm glad you got that before every comment on YouTube was uh, saying yeah. that that's what it was going to be. So yeah. Well, if we do get that comment, we can see who did not listen to the whole right. <laughs> And there, there are people who will comment then, and then, uh, then uh, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, you get the comment that's like, oh, you just mentioned it. I apologize for my first comment. So mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Teleplay goes to Joe Minoski. Story credit goes to Richard Gaddis, directed by Marvin V. Rush in Universe State. Unknown 2372. Marvin V. Rush always sounds like he's like a uh, Mega Man or Sonic the Hedgehog villain. <laughs> I always think that about that when his name pops up. It's the Thaw. The crew attempts to rescue three aliens in stasis from a bizarre computer program that is based on fear and fear itself. So this is... Um, I don't really know where to start with this. It's got it's got uh, Michael McKean in it as a guest performance. It has a Joe Minoski script. I think it's Minoski's second script on Voyager, and he's going to become a more full time writer starting in season three. But he wrote on TNG a whole bunch. Uh, Minoski's always well known for having sort of a lot of his scripts are at least high concept, uh, strange episode like Darmok is a famous example oh, of, sure, of a Minoski sure. script uh, masks from TNG which is not a good episode but is similarly high concept uh, and this one I think you did Cathexis in the first season of Voyager and now we're on to Thaw so what'd you think of the Thaw um 
I thought it was okay. Um, <clears throat> it, I, I, I don't know. It's tough just because it's like another super smart computer thing. Yep. Um, I liked uh, Michael McKeon's makeup was really cool. Uh, that gray and white thing and that thing, <laughs> that weird flannel th- fleece thing he was wearing that yeah. I, I guarantee was like a thousand degrees. <laughs> Um, has has no definition he's just this just like it sort of reminds me of like the um the underside or something of like those little foot mats you have in your car there's it's like yeah. that sort of material just on the outside <laughs> he's wearing he's wearing the uh uh the the dog man outfit from the shining but just oh, not the yeah. dog face yeah i was uh you sort of reminded me of a show I haven't thought. Of. What was that show with Elijah Wood that was a remake of the Australian one where he had the dog imaginary oh, dog oh yeah I can't remember the name of it. I think it was one word. Yeah, it's like Ru- Rufus or... Yeah, something like that. Something Great like, show. Yeah. Really good show. Uh, sorry, I, I interrupted with that tangent. Yeah, there. you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I think of this one because it didn't really grab me too much. Um, I mean, Michael McKeon's always fun. Uh, I didn't find the Battle of Wits super interesting um between who between just, I, everyone be, yeah between everyone and uh and my clown in there the, yeah the, the character's name is the clown i guess um i thought they went <clears throat> they went a lot harder with it than i thought they were going to i was not expecting them to kill one of those guys mm-hmm. uh again <laughs> deep into season two they're just making some choices with mortality here yep <clears throat> um but yeah i i mean i thought it was i thought it was fine I didn't. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I don't know. I the. I think the the the. I feel like it could have been a lot scarier. Mm-hmm. It's it's very bright and um. It's not weird enough to counteract how not scary it is. Like I, I it felt like it should have. It could have been something out of the prisoner, but the prisoner would have made it more scary. I think. Yeah. It's- so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, uh, I like this one. I'm a little bit torn on it, I guess. I think it's, um, I think it is unusual for a Voyager episode in that it does very strongly feel like a TOS setup of an episode. And yeah, the way that yeah. it's built feels very TOS. Uh, the thing, even that, the 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 inside of the computer, that set design and like Michael McKeon's look feels very TOS. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um just the the arrangement of everything. Like it, it's in a you'd almost expect this to not seem like the the setup for where these characters are and all the like the circus freaks or whatever you want to call them in this nightmare world. Um, feel like they almost wouldn't even need an explanation in TOS. It just feels like that would be the, the design for them for some right, reason. Right. Here, here, it's a little bit more intentional than that. I don't know how much of it is supposed to be an homage. What, what I think it, what I think this one succeeds at largely is that, um, both one of its like best things and its worst things, I think, is how allegorical it is on a show that does not usually do allegory all that well, or like. Mm-hmm. Um, poetically, so I, like I really, I like everything here. Like I, you know, I, I like the guillotine symbolizing like your ultimate fear, and that's what kills you before you die from it. And I like the idea of the clown, and I like the idea of like the fear uh, 
sort of like trying to understand what the nature of fear is to beat this uh, clown character. I I get to the end of it, and I think the weakest part of the allegory is that I don't actually know if I really even agree with what they're talking about as <laughs> as far as like what fear is and how you defeat fear and stuff like that. Um, so I'm kind of stuck in the middle. I, I like it because it to me it feels unlike any other Voyager episode we've seen so far. That's definitely true. Yeah, but it it's it doesn't. I don't think it really grabs the concept in a way that it really could have to be great. I think one of the patrons calls this like a near miss all time classic or something like that. And I, Mm. I kind of agree with that. I see the potential for where this really could have been great. And it just falls a little bit short because in my opinion, even though I I think the ending is really cool and like, I don't think I've seen a Star Trek episode and like that before, but it, I, I just, I don't really connect with what they're talking about, unfortunately. Like, it just doesn't work for me on every single level it needs to. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I I, um, I don't know. For some reason, I'm finding this one tough to talk about. I'm not really sure why. Um, Did you find it? Like, I find... So, like you said it wasn't particularly creepy. I find it creepy when it needs to be, which is the moment where they go from goofy clown characters to we're going to kill one of you. And they all mm-hmm. start sort of like clapping along and, and doing like, you know, the sort of like semi-cliche deranged clown circus freak thing that you're, you've come to expect. I thought that that was a good, I thought that those were good moments. And I thought that they like in a show, in a series that can't really do horrific horror, that's probably as like close to psychological horror as you can get maybe effectively. Um, but I don't know. You might have not found it as effective. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I, I I honestly think it was just I I feel like it was kind of limited by budget a bit. I I actually did really like the sequence where they they start fucking with uh with Harry Kim making him really old and uh and and turning him into a baby and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like that stuff was pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I I feel like I don't know. I feel like Michael McKean never really turned the turned the page on creepy like scary. No. You know, uh, not to to compare too much. Um, the thing that's so great about Tim Curry's It is that he does play both sides of the extremes, where he goes from really goofy clown to terrifying monster, pretty con- pretty convincingly. <clears throat> and I don't really think that Michael McKean ever gets a re- really a chance to do that. Like this guy's supposed to be the embodiment of fear. Yes, yeah. And he's just sort of like a dope, you know. Yep. And like, and I never get like. He never gets beyond like '60s Batman villain, yeah. Really, and yep. even there, I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess, I guess the thing that's that's hanging me up is I didn't find him characterized in a way that I found super compelling. Yeah, I I think that the I think one of the, I I was sort of wondering about this one is like I think that maybe we've talked about this on other episodes too. Like one of the great things about Star Trek is that because of the way that it's set up, you can get away with doing homages to a lot of different genres and do a lot of different things within the same franchise uh, that has that flexibility to it. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with it, th- this is one of the rare examples where the difficulty of that shines through, which is that it's very difficult to make a Star Trek episode creepy in the way that it needs to be creepy for this concept to sell. Mm -hmm. Like you you can't really, uh, 
you can't break away from like the procedural aspects of what makes a Star Trek episode a Star Trek episode to get into like surreal horror in a way that this one is kind of demanding that it does. Right. So it's stuck. It's in like, you know, the Star Trek shows could always do like, they can do the sort of detective noir thing. And it's like, this is effective enough. It still feels like a Star Trek episode, but it works. It can get away with the, the romance stories. It can get away with the action episodes. But when it tries to do something so extremely psychological, it's not great at that because it's not really production wise. It's not built to support that kind of storytelling. So Mm -hmm. the the moment that sticks out here for me is like, as you're saying, when Harry Kim is getting tortured and then he's on the gurney and the clown is talking uh, to him about it. The abruptness of when the doctor just walks in and interrupts it is very (laughs) like, I don't know if it's supposed to be intentionally funny, but to me it was like the, the complete shattering of what this story was supposed to be by the confines of what a Star Trek Voyager episode is, which is that the doctor can just come in there because he's a hologram and he doesn't actually face any risk by going in. Right. So I, right. Don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I found that jarring and I found it weird and um, maybe one of the downfalls. Like I, I think that that's the creepiest moment in the episode and it sort of falls short of where it needs to go to be super effective at uh, telling the story. Yeah, and like the people who were stuck in there too, I don't know. I never really, I guess I, I I don't really know what I want out of this, but like the people who are stuck in there, they're like this, he's the embodiment of everything we're afraid of and he keeps us scared the whole time and Harry Kim should have been like, well, like, are you guys like afraid of Do you want me to punch him? Do you want me to punch him? Yeah, are they afraid of like conga lines or something? Or like what's the... Well, they're also, they've been in there for like 19 years, right? And... They they don't seem insane from it. Like that's right, yeah. th- that's the that's like the they're thing. not and they're not like it's not like you meet them as part of the group of people like they're being forced to wear tutus and shit and right. partake in, in the dance, craziness. Yeah. And yeah. Like they're just hanging out in the corner. It's like is that what they do? Just hang out in the corner and kind of shiver. And also I think it's it's really funny. I mean, obviously I I guess it's metaphorical or whatever, but like I find it really funny that they <laughs> When the guy dies, they're they're like, he's had a heart attack. He's been scared to death, and it's like, no, he got his fucking head cut off. Yeah, it's like the, to quote to quote the penguin, look pretty scared to me. <laughs> that's the yeah, as you're saying, I think that that's where like the metaphor aspect has a hard time in the confines of a Star Trek <clears throat> episode. Like I. I the the problem there is that the guillotine sequence is not really I mean it it, is, it would be frightening but you sort of you sort of extrapolate this idea of like wouldn't everyone who is going to the guillotine have suffered a heart attack before they got their head cut off if that was the case you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it's a so you have to you have to look at it as like a a metaphor for it I do wish that you know it's it's not really customized, I think, is the other issue right. to it. Because everyone yeah. gets the guillotine, which is fine as a metaphor, but it's not really, except for Harry Kim, and even his thing wasn't scary enough to kill him, like recounting some girl he saw in a hospital bed or something. Yeah. So it's tough. I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah, I think I think they're trying to key into this sort of like, uh, 
you know, Mask of the Red Death, Dance of the Dead type thing. Um, and I just don't know if it's really working for me. Like, there's something missing. Like, there's a certain element of, like, uh, manicness or something that's not clicking. Um, I don't know if it's timing or performance or, or what, but it's just, like, it. I, I find some of the stuff, once they get into the uh, trying to haggle with him, I find some of that stuff pretty pretty good. And I really like the ending. I think they, because uh, I, I, I was trying to think of, all right, well, you know, if they, if, if Janeway's going in there, what is it, like, what is going to stop him from not letting anybody out? Like I was, I was running through the, the possibilities and I, I hadn't considered, oh, I, I thought, I thought it was going to involve a hologram of some sort. Cause the first thing I thought was, why don't they send the doctor in there? Which obviously yes. they do. Yeah. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought the ending was, was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I guess I I don't know. I, I was I was kind of hoping for it to be a little bit more uh, d- disturbing or something. Yeah, like I I feel like they're kind of going for Q vibe a bit. Yeah, he he is kind of reminiscent of Q. Yeah, but I I think Michael McKean's too big. Like he's going too big for Q. Like he's doing he's doing the Joker more than he's doing Q, which is fine if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. But it's still, I don't know. I, I just, I, the Q, no matter how goofy he gets, always has this underlying sense of menace to him. And I just didn't really get that from, from, from Michael McKeon in this. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what's missing for me is like, I was never really that afraid of, of him and like his actions I didn't find to be much more than just sort of like goofs, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, so I don't know. I guess uh, I don't really know what I want out of this, but it just it just didn't land with me uh, the way I kind of hoped it would. Yeah, it's fair. It's um, I found it I found it very watchable. I do give it I do give it credit for being um, original, and I, I guess that the originality thing sort of ties into the ending, which is a I find it a pretty surprising ending. I think that it's interesting. It's very. Um, it's very TOS again. I like the fact that uh, when the w- world starts falling apart around the clown, it's just a board behind him that someone is spinning, you know? Like it has mm. this old school TOS thing, uh, low production values that I thought was pretty effective. And I like his sort of squaring off with Janeway. I just don't think that... I, I think the concept is too... The idea of fear or something is too big to effectively make it a 1v1 with Janeway and the clown, really. Um, yeah. Janeway also, like, Janeway's a hologram, right, at the end. So she can't be pulled into this machine. Right. So why why is she saying... So anything she's talking about not being afraid and that Starfleet captains don't get afraid, it's like, well, of course, because you're not actually in the game right now. So mm-hmm. why should you be scared? So you you didn't really beat fear that way. You didn't confront it or anything. You kind of cheated it. And I don't know. I don't know yeah, if that's super just, effective. Yeah, there wasn't a facing of fear. It was just kind of an outsmarting of fear. Yeah, I, I, I outsmarted fear, which is... I don't know if that's the point. That doesn't really strike me as the point. But as it was going on, I just like I, you know, Harry Kim keeps uh, 
quoting is it's FDR, I assume. I think it is who does the yeah. fear itself yeah. uh, line, which is effective. But Janeway is just Starfleet captains don't get afraid because we don't we don't got time to bleed or <laughs> whatever the line is at the end. It's well, just like not, I, not great for me. Yeah, I feel like that might work better if it was. I mean, I, so. I think the thing that hurts it a little bit is that the hologram Janeway goes out of her way to say that she's not Janeway. Mm-hmm. Like she's because I, I believe that's what she says, right? She's like, I'm not Janeway. I'm a holographic projection. Yeah. She refers uh, so, to herself as Janeway is back in the, the stasis pod or whatever. Yeah. I think that is kind of a failing of it for me because like if the I, I like the idea of Janeway going in there and basically getting in this guy's face and being like, listen, you think you know what fear is? Try being a, a Starfleet captain. Like I right. basically standing up to it and calling its bluff and then the thing just kind of crumbles. Yes, that's that's fun. But I think it, it, it loses a little punch when when it's a hologram basically there on behalf of someone who could say that stuff right who could feel so fear who, who facing this foe it's like um it's like batman dealing with the scarecrow by zoom calling him and being like yeah. you don't scare me <laughs> might be a pretty effective tactic actually don't say that <laughs> it's tough tough when he doesn't pick up i i think that's like and it, and it almost feels more cliche if Janeway just faces her fear. Mm-hmm. But the the theme itself, what the lesson of the episode is, is that it is just about facing your fear and your fear will disappear once you see through it, sort of. So mm-hmm. why not just do that traditional method there? It, they get out with a kind of a cute Star Trek trick, but I don't feel that Janeway as a character is really forced to... You know, as you're saying, like, you don't want to, like, fear is what, fear is not getting my crew home or something like that on this right, journey. Yeah. Like, that's my yeah. greatest fear. And it's like, you're not going to stand in the way of that. So therefore, you don't exist to me. You can't possibly be the biggest fear that I exist because my day-to-day existence is more scary than you are. Something like that. It, it That never comes through. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, like, I like, I like the way they play it, um, but I think it would have worked better if the hologram was just saying it's like no i am here but i'm also like talking as janeway like this is actually a projection of her mind kind of yeah uh basically like the same thing that they did to the girl in uh that one episode where the doctor life signs yeah 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 Yeah. um i think that would have made a little bit stronger but i do i do like the solution i think the solution is pretty clever to to (laughs) I mean, I I don't know when they reprogrammed that thing to allow that to actually happen. Yeah, that she could go into the thing and then, but not actually go into the thing. Did they not? I was I didn't know if I just missed them talking about this as a possibility. It, it's kind of a weird script in that it all. I feel like it all makes sense, and they actually lay the breadcrumbs out pretty well in terms of like he does. They explain early that the clown won't know for a few minutes what's going on, and mm-hmm. therefore you can use that later. I don't remember them ever saying something about you can get into the machine but not go into the world. Uh, but I guess you just can do that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did um, oh, I had some point. Was, some point I about was his fear. Say, yeah, go ahead. I was surprised. I was uh, maybe not. I, I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised because I mean that's what these this is what Star Trek does. But I was thinking once they started like going into the machine and stuff, I was like, man, they are really going out of their way for these three people who have been in stasis for 30 years. Yeah. 
Like, remember the last time you did this and you opened up a 30-year-old stasis pod? Didn't really go well. <laughs> it's a lot for those three. It's um I don't I don't know if they I don't think the episode implies that there are more stasis pods down there or anything. I think cuz they it's a little bit confusing. They say that the planet had 400,000 people on it, but the, these are mm-hmm. the only ones that are still left at the the very end or something. Um Yeah, I, I actually um I thought the the mechanics of the stasis like I thought that the 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 structure of how the story uh comes together like through the stasis pod to avert a natural disaster thing I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of neat I, I thought that I mm. also hadn't really seen that in Star Trek either so it was a combination of that plus the ending and the sort of allegory stuff that made it made it at least stick out to me as something yeah I couldn't help but think. <laughs> When Harry climbed into that thing, and Harry and Bellana climbed into those things, I couldn't help but think, like, did they, like, wipe these down or something? They yeah. Had, they just took, like, the corpses out of these things. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I like the, the, the creepiness of those, someone being dead is nice, too. What are those people going to do now? Are those three people going to restart the... Get back to their research or whatever they were doing down there. I know they got to start. We got to restart the population. <laughs> just the three of them now, or two, I guess it's two, right? Because one of them gets killed. Uh, oh yeah, it is two. Yeah, one of them dies. The main guy dies. I guess what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, was the effort really worth the reward? <laughs> no, juice. Was, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for Jane. Maybe yeah. that's why she made herself a hologram. She's like, it's not. It's not really worth getting scary here. Um. Anything else here? No, I mean. I get they should they probably should have just sent the doctor in before Harry Kim and Bellana went in. If he can go in, they might as well just send the person who can't be harmed as a real person. You know what I mean? Mm. I also wish they had given the 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 two people a bit of agency because they really didn't. Um, Which like the, I, sur- the alien survivors, the, the survivors, yeah. Because yeah. it would have been like it would have been nice if the clown had done you know so the whole thing is like oh he's inside your head he knows everything you're thinking blah 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 blah. so when harry kim is talking to them about you know getting out of here or talking about the prospect of waking up i'm surprised they didn't have the clown kind of turn around on them and be like do you really want to get out of here what's waiting out there it's been so long since you've been out there you the only two left on this entire planet what do you think you're going to do once you wake up you know that kind of stuff yeah like actually lean into some of the things that these people might be scared of instead of them just saying we're scared all the time yeah yeah i yeah the i think the episode says something about he's he's the he's the incarnation of their fear about something has happened outside something like that i think about they, the next season of game of thrones cuz the last one <laughs> When they went to sleep, did not end in a place that everybody liked. No, no. Um, anything else about this one? Um, fear is the most primal emotion, according to Tuvok. Um, yeah, I guess I guess we can go just go to patron thoughts. I don't really have anything else here to talk about uh, for this one. Um, we'll see if the patrons give us any sort of insight of where to go. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the place to support the show. If you are enjoying the content, you go there a couple of bucks, you get extra stuff, you get extra podcasts, you get the ability to comment on Star Trek episodes, all that. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. So let's go to thoughts and comments. 
and go to your thing. I'll read the first one. It's Clef. Says an episode that might be called corny if the acting didn't treat it so seriously. The creepy mystique is at a serious peak, and Michael McKeon is damn good at chicanery. Five evenings that Paris spends listening to Kim practice clarinet out of five. We didn't talk about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> he is yeah. blowing that that horn. Um mm-hmm. and and all <laughs> and the also one one weird thing. The Voyager was built to be a warship. Is that what Harry Kim yeah. says? Yeah, no, that's what uh, uh, Paris says. So Paris, that, is that true? It can't I be guess. true. That's what he. I, I know it's the first time I feel like I've heard that, but I thought it was a science ship. I thought in the pilot they were talking about how many science bays they had, and why is Janeway a science officer in charge of a warship? I don't know. Yeah, strange. Apparently, the warships have very paper thin walls. Yeah, it's all the the liquid whatever they use the liquid silicone cells or whatever Harry Kim blames it on, but um, it's definitely a design flaw there. Uh, but those, it's nice to see those two hanging out and being friends, even if it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. So here even you go. If Paris, even as Paris should be like, I watched you die, you know. <laughs> this is Kyle Barat with the thaw. The thaw. What do you get when you have David St. Hubbins playing Pennywise the Clown, but dressed exclusively in carpet for some reason, flanked by the fireman from Twin Peaks and Lumpy from the Star Wars Holiday Special? The best goddamn episode of Voyager, that's what. I'm not kidding, this is my favorite episode of the series by far. It's very Minoski and has that classic surreal TOS move-along home feel, TOS TOS and move-along home feel leading to a much underrated and unique episode within the homogenous dreck of Voyager. It's silly and weird and fun and campy and goofy, and yet, both despite and because of those things, one of the creepiest and most horrific episodes of the franchise. Six out of five. Six out of five. I did like the big dude with giant teeth. The, the, big, not the, the big, like... The monster <clears throat> guy, the little black, the, the black fuzzy monster thing? Yeah, the big the big monster. Yeah. Yep. thing with the big teeth that was pretty fun yep had the uh the uh little person female with large breasts which is always a staple of, of these things mm-hmm. whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you do that i when i saw I, before i started the episode it, it played like a little you know a little preview thing and mm. she was in it and i thought for a second it was the woman from poltergeist oh okay but uh i didn't remember her being that stacked in that movie <laughs> So uh, I don't, don't sure think it's it wasn't the same. Um, is 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 Pennywise named after the saying Pennywise Pound Foolish? Is that where his name I, comes from? I have no idea. Okay, because that was my opening was gonna. I was thinking of an opening for the podcast. It was gonna be like this is his, you know, this is Pennywise's cousin Pound Foolish. But I didn't know if that was so obvious because Pennywise is actually named after that that it wouldn't have wouldn't have been anything. No, I would have. You would have gotten some dead air from me on that one. Okay. Never, I've never even heard that phrase. Right, so. I always thought he was named after the band. Right. Fuck authority. Yeah. Silent majority, raised by the system. Now it's time to rise against them. Uh, tax owl I will. I was just going to say though. I, I I will agree that this is definitely the most unique episode they've done so far. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all I'm going to say, I guess. <laughs> What's your favorite Spinal Tap song? My favorite Spinal Tap song? Uh, Big Bottom yep. is always a good one. <laughs> uh, although I do really love Sex Farm. Yep. 
Sex Farm is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Big Bottom is, is my favorite. Just for, how, just for the fun of how can I leave this behind? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good stuff. Tax Oliver says, The Thaw, an interesting episode with a common sci-fi theme, a simulation that for some reason you can't turn off, and a common Voyager theme, the Doctor is coming to the rescue because he's immune to the stuff that the rest of the crew is not. I only wish that they had taken the opportunity to make the simulation a little bit more of an interesting dystopia instead of a funhouse with a killer clown, but I suppose that alien society was plagued by cholerophobia, which I assume is fear of clowns. Uh, Eric McGowan says the podcast has been pretty mum about the light horror vibes so far in many of Voyager's early season episodes. Uh, commentary from me. I kind of dis- I feel like we've mentioned that a decent amount, but you yeah, can't, a few av- times. can't avoid it in this one. The thaw is an insanely creepy episode and the ending moments make the ending easily in the top 10 best episode endings in the Trek franchise. Five out of five. I'll send, uh, this is another short one. I'll read it. Kensito says, I think it was a mistake to play the clown as a Q-like character as it just isn't creepy enough. The dreamscape looking so cheap doesn't help matters either. Loved the ending, though. Three out of five. Here is Matt Ross. I'll send it to you. There you go. The Thaw, one of the creepiest and most fun episodes ever in the series, showing technology gone mad. The dark theme if of what happens the dark theme if what happens at death again rearing its head with a chilling ending line. I think I might have read that incorrectly. Anyway, uh, I really enjoyed Michael McKeon's malevolent clown and his delivery provides a creep factor that chills me when he turns ultra vicious. See, I don't ever think he gets to that point, though. Yeah, just on the hospital gurney is his most yeah insidious part, I guess. For the colonist story, I always wondered how many other pods are left like this on the planet. And what happened to their occupants? Five crazy computers out of five. Yeah, I really can't. I I wonder what the logic was of having them be stuck there for such a long period of time. Like if you had said that we've been stuck here for a week, I would have felt their characterization to be okay at that point, you know? Yeah. They've been in that they've been in that insanity for almost two decades and they are just kind of like they're not even they're not even um happy when the voyager crew shows up to rescue them they're just like oh finally someone got here aliens yeah it's weird uh i also don't know why there needs to be three of them i guess because you need to kill one of them but yeah i feel like you only need one really patrick seba says the thaw starts off with a bang harry's working his stick then things they turn weird. Who is this clown prick? A cool sci-fi plot, bland Kim snarky doc, plus real French clown extras with glitter oil. Slick. Five space gummies out of five from the costume set designer's special jar. Changeling is the next comment. I send it to you post-haste. The Thaw. Welcome to Prime Star Trek, bitch. <clears throat> This this is my favorite episode so far. It's got horror, a weird 60s TOS aesthetic, and little people to boot. Not literally boot, though, because that would be bad. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. And what a performance from Michael McKeon, perfectly balancing roles of spoiled brat and sadistic godlike being. I would say he deserves more love, but after Spinal Tap and Better Call Saul, I'm sure he gets his due. Five phallic objects being cut in half in a pink hole by a leather daddy out of five. <laughs> It must be a it must be a British thing. The British uh, expose themselves when they put the U in favorite. And that's how I know. That's how I know 
where they're commenting from, but uh, maybe this is like how the British Brendan Braga always said the British loved enterprise for no reason that he could not understand. Maybe that's what it is here too. Thank you for your comment. Riolavi says the thought a cool plot and a cool villain. I loved Cold as Ice Janeway at the end. However, I'm not a fan of the TOS style goofiness, and Harry Kim is boring, which is mainly the writer's fault. Four big-breasted midgets out of five. Aaron Million, I can send this one to you. Post haste. The Thaw. The clown creeped me out. It sort of made me think of Stephen King's It, which means that it was effective. This could have went really campy like a few of the later TOS episodes, but instead we are treated to, once again, Picardo being comedy gold by suddenly appearing and subsequently baffling the clown. And a twist at the end from Janeway showing that she can be a dangerous foe when backed into a corner. Four creepy clowns out of five. Two, two, two. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Jakey's Gamer says, The thought, I never really liked this episode when I was younger, but I've come to really appreciate the ending. It's kind of Janeway's version of talking a computer to death, but with more pathos for the villain. Although I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation. Malo Perverso says, The thought, two out of five. Oh, wow. All right. Point next to G says, The Thaw, a wonderfully quirky episode. This has always been a favorite of mine. Michael McKean is terrific as the clown. The episode makes great use of the doctor who shines in all of his scenes in the machine. The resolution at the end is very clever, and Janeway's scene with fear is also a highlight. We didn't haven't really talked about the doctor here. Did mm-hmm. The doctor has to go in because he's the hologram, right? So you're right. left wondering why he doesn't just go in in the first place. And also... Once he's in there, nothing can happen to him. Right. Um, is yeah, this they effective? Avoided, they could have avoided a lot of this if they just sent him in first. Yeah, if he'd just gone in and pulled those people out, it would have been, would have been fine. I guess the clown could still kill them or something, but I don't know. It, it, is, it, is, like, is the doctor's usage effective here? Uh, I talked about how his introduction to me felt like just like slamming into a brick wall in terms of something. And mm-hmm. I'm not convinced he's the best idea. I don't know how you get around the fact that you have to use him because of the way that things are set up. But yeah, he's basically my problem with Janeway at the end, which is that he, in an episode built around being terrified, he's the wrong character to sort of carry things when stuff gets rough because there's no drama there. Right. Yeah, I think he's... It, it is strange because it makes – if he can go in there, it doesn't really make sense to send anybody but him uh, from the get-go. But I imagine that they do it the way they do to set up the eventual thing that they do at the end. Yeah. Just um, to show that holograms can go in there. I don't know why they – Yeah. Can you – like the doctor has been shown to be scared before and we've commented on it. So why why can't they scare him here too, you know? Yeah. It would be more effective if the clown actually terrified the doctor. That's true. Yes. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. The, the doctor was scared in that episode where invaders were coming into the sickbay and he was like hiding behind the table. Yeah. So, so I don't well, he's, know. He's kind of scared in first contact too, isn't he? When yeah, they, he is. When they yeah, boot him nervous. up when the Borg show up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I would have done something different there i think that 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 i think that the the way that you power up the clown is that they send in the doctor afterwards to save things and he scares the doctor too enough where he can't come back into it so yeah yeah 
Norman Buckwald says, The Thaw is one of the most excellently done original episodes in Trek, and yet I'm surprised how many people out there hate this episode. Michael McKean's clown is iconic, and the direction and editing that involves the other circus performers is breathtaking. How the Doctor is involved is genius, and Hollow Janeway's I Know is even more iconic than There's Coffee in That Nebula. Five pink guillotines out of five. I did like the direction in this one. I thought there were some clever uh, camera pans and cuts to have the clown pop up randomly. Yes, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I'll give you Royo's comment. Here you go. It was Marvin V. Rush. The Thaw, a TOS episode produced 28 years too late, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Saul Goodman's brother, Chuck McGill, show he's got, shows he's got the acting chops as he plays a flippin' fear clown acting off the dry wit of Robert Picardo. This is an episode that's dancing on the knife's edge of disaster since it has all the imagery of a terrible and annoying episode of Star Trek, but the stakes and the writing pull it together. Fans and detractors alike have milked the scene to death where Janeway manages to terrify the embodiment of fear itself. The only thing I have against this episode is that I don't like clowns or their gags, so this doesn't exactly make the episode that enjoyable to watch for me. <laughs> does it still, does the clown, fear of a clown work if it doesn't look like a clown though yeah he doesn't he doesn't look like a clown like if i were if i were to if i were to walk up to to you to this uh, particular commenter in like a three-piece suit and then just be like hello i'm a clown would that would that trigger it i mean (laughs) it's true what yeah do you just yeah you kind of need the iconic you need floppy shoes is it a is it more of a fear of buffoonery (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I found, oh, God damn it! What's that Arrested Development? I d- I didn't care for their buffoonery. <laughs> I was once voted worst audience participant uh, at Cirque du Soleil I'd ever had. This is a big church. Well, Michael, I did not find their buffoonery amusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it is a it's a good question about the clown. If you if they didn't call him the clown, would you say he's a clown? If this if the script didn't call him a clown. Would fans have come to that moniker on their own? Probably not, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean... He is kind of in a, a, a circus funhouse type thing. I don't know. If yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, it wouldn't be the first place I went to, but I think if people, if I knew that people referred to him as the clown, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll need... Um, I guess I'll need the commenters and listeners, the people who sort of like this one, to just like because I think Royo's comment talked about it, that the um, the writing pulls it together. I I just don't I don't connect with the fear angle really at all. I, I don't yeah. know what there is to say that's interesting about fear. I'm sure there's quite a bit that's interesting to say about fear. It, it just doesn't. Um, you mean fear the MTV reality show from the late nineties, early two yeah, thousands? The yellow and black background. What was that? Was that like a haunted house type thing? Is that what fear? Yeah, was? it was. It was basically people wore first person cameras, right? And they sent them in to do tasks in supposedly haunted places, spooky places. I loved that show. Mm-hmm. I I lo- <laughs> I loved that show until one episode where they were in this prison, and uh, I don't know why I remember this so specifically, but. Um, they were in a prison, and the thing that the guy had to do, there was like a noose hanging from like the rafters, uh, he, and he had to go up to the the catwalk where the noose was, 
put the noose around his neck and then kick the cinder block next to his foot off the edge of the catwalk. Right. And the guy's standing there and he's like freaking out, losing his mind, terrified to do this. And I'm just sitting there going like, MTV is not going to execute you on television. <laughs> like I just, I could, you know, there's, they're walking through some places and it's creepy and it's, it's like a, it's a nice haunted house kind of vibe, but this guy's like losing his mind as though they are actually about to execute him on national television. <laughs> and it's like, I just, you're, you're breaking the whole thing for me here. Yeah. It's a tough, I'm not tough, the it's a, one who's so far away when I feel, That was the theme song. <laughs> that, was, that was the theme song to Fear? Yeah, it was. Wow. When I they're, feel the they're a semi-local band. Into my my Is that Godsmack? It's Godsmack, yeah. Yeah. They had that and which, they had which, the, uh, the Mummy fronted song. By, fronted by a person with the most fake-sounding name I've ever heard in my life, which is... Sully. Jack, oh, is that, was that... I thought it was... Is it a different band that has Jacoby Shaddix is the front man? Yeah, I think that's um I thought that was that's Avenged that was Sevenfold, isn't it? Or something like that? Or something something. It, the, Sully is the singer of Godsmack because he's a Boston guy, you know. That makes more sense. Makes a little makes a little bit. <laughs> they had that and they had the uh, the mummy song. Oh, I'm sorry. Jacoby Shaddix is Papa Roach. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> Very much, very much a fake name for a fake band. <laughs> there's, I, there's some special about Papa Roach. Maybe I saw it on YouTube. Maybe it was in a special. It's, it's just still around. Um, they're the example of. Um, I, I can't like they're all they, they've been around for a while now and they're obviously very uh, stable and the band's still going. But like it's the I always wonder about some bands that uh, they just have to have aged out of their songs at a certain point. Yeah, and the aesthetic. Yeah, and the aesthetic yeah. and stuff like that, but it's still the thing that you have to do. So cut my life into pieces. Um, How has he not gotten a travel show out of that? Yeah. Last Resort with Jacoby Shaddix yeah, from Papa Roach. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth watching. Uh, did you ever see the show uh, Man Tracker? Have we talked about no, this? No, I don't think so. Man track is man track is kind of one of those things that's about like um uh you were talking about like MTV is not going to execute you or do something stupid like that. There was a show when I was living in Boston with Sean that was on it was on like the Discovery Channel or something. It was called Man Tracker. Mm-hmm. And it would have a pair of you would have like it was a game show basically and you'd have a pair of contestants who are dropped into like random wilderness and given a map and a compass and they have to get to this finish line that's X distance away from it. Mm-hmm. And they get a head start. And then the, the lead character of the show is a guy named Man Tracker, who's this like um, sort of cowboy guy on a horse. And he always has a local guide as like a helper. So he like mm-hmm. rides along with this sort of local help to get around stuff. But it's kind of like how everyone refers to Harrison Ford in Air Force One as the president. Like they just talk, they're like Mr. President and stuff like that. <laughs> everyone calls this guy Man Tracker. Oh, so, he's, boy. so they're like Man Tracker. I think they went this way. But there was one episode that I imagine got the show canceled where they had um, two black guys were the contestants. And there's just oh, a lot of footage of two black guys running through the woods as a white yeah. guy on a horse chases them. Yep. It's just like, well, 
I, I know that this is uh I know this is not their intent, but this is still this is still mm-hmm. something incredibly awkward about watching this. Mm-hmm. I don't remember hearing about Man Tracker after that. Man Tracker, my least favorite G.I. Joe. <laughs> Man Tracker. They're over here. Jaron Hatch says the thought, this is one I always want to like more than I do, which is a shame because it's got a great concept, a fantastic performance from Michael McKean, and one of the most unforgettable final scenes in all of Trek. I just don't think the episode really gets there. Maybe it's that they don't have the money to fully realize the concept or they don't fully commit to the unique approach or that it suffers from Voyager's sometimes overly procedural bent to its storytelling. It's still really fun, though. And if there's such a thing as an almost classic, this episode fits the bill. 3.95 Scary Jane Ways out of five. I agree with that. I think a lot of I think a lot of this is undone by the fact that it is a Voyager episode in the sense that it has to do certain things. Undiscovered Mugato. Uh, I'll read this one. You can read the next one. Undiscovered Mugato. Having Mike McKean in Star Trek is a treat, and boy, his outfit looks comfy. But when I realized which episode this was, I immediately picked up my phone to check Twitter. This is Voyager's move along home, but then I forgot that ending, that final moment just before the cut to credits. It gets a star just for that. Three full body snuggies out of five. This is uh, not as bad as Move Along Home, I don't think. A lot of people are making that uh, comparison. I, I don't really mm. agree with that. Has a little bit more of a point than Move Along Home, I guess. This yeah, is Artorias. I, re- I remember nothing about that episode other than the hopscotch. Yeah, it's just they're in a game and it's hopscotch. Yeah. <clears throat> the thaw. I don't know. If I buy the concept proposed by the episode that fear exists to protect us and unbridled, ulti- <clears throat> and unbridled ultimately wants us to conquer it, I think winsome, sorry, I think wis- wisdom <laughs> would indicate that the stupid or foolish actions should be avoided. A difference between proper respect and fear. I think we all fear many th- different things, but isn't that all related to our own perceived value we place on self-interest? I believe the only way we conquer fear is when we look beyond ourselves to do the thing we fear, not for us, but for something else. Just ask the people who stormed Normandy, well, they're all dead now, or the friend <laughs> who was saved because someone jumped on a grenade or ran through a hellfire of bombs and explosions. They set aside self-interest for the person next to them. It's when the eyes are not set on the self but something else that fear fades from view. Maybe fear is self-interest that needs to die for the sake of something else. Three doctors visits out of five. I mean, it's kind of my... That's kind of my point about the Janeway thing, right? Like, if there was a... If there was a sense that Janeway actually was sacrificing... And overcoming fear because she is helping others. Like, what's, what, there's that saying about fear. I don't know. I forget if Hemingway said it or something like that. But it's like fear is, or car, no, it's about courage. Courage is um, fear with grace or something. Is that the, mm-hmm. the Hemingway thing? But I, I, I think that that's what Artorius is talking about. But like, that would make more sense to me than what Janeway does at the end of this and whether or not um, fear wants us to conquer it is kind of a, it is kind of a strange idea. But Wes, aren't you afraid of becoming a baby? (laughs) (laughs) That's a screaming baby too. He's jumping around with that son of a bitch. Aren't you afraid of being an old man? (laughs) I, 
That, that was another... Aren't you? Aren't you the only survivor of an other alternate version of Voyager where you watched all of your friends die <laughs> in an explosion, and now you're in a different timeline? Aren't you afraid of becoming a baby, Wes? I guess that's the. <laughs> I guess that's the downside too is that we don't know what Harry Kim is scared of, and so it, it's tough to do that stuff too. <laughs> He's like, I know what you're afraid of. You're afraid of not being able to hit the high G on the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> just the, do you have to wet the reed on a clarinet? Is it just the greatest fear ass- is not playing a, a wetted reed? Yeah, I assume so. Nick the re- Nick the Nick the Reed Nick the Rat Nick the says Reed. the thaw. Why not send the doctor in from the start? Why not just send in a red shirt instead of the important crew members? Is it because Harry can't hit that G sharp? At least the captain was able to come. Two nightmarish techno babbles out of five. Thanks everybody for leaving your thoughts about the episode. The thaw. Thank you for leaving your thoughts at patreon.com slash the Penske file and supporting us there. Over uh, a fairly high patron average here, I think. It's probably over four with all the patrons. Uh, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? I'm going to do a three. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if this is a three or four. Um, do, 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 I mean, if I, I think if I showed this to, to Amy, she wouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. I just don't I don't get the sense that it's a, a showing episode. I I'll give it a three two. I think it's a high three. I do I do respect what this one was trying to do. And I, mm. I wish that uh more Voyager episodes would at least stretch their legs in this way a little bit. Um so I applaud it for doing that, but I think I'll give it a three. I do think it's just, I think it's it's a, it's a very strong concept is ultimately undone a little bit by what it takes to make a Voyager episode and how they choose to go about showing fear. So uh, the ultimate embodiment of fear is 18th century capering. Everyone knows that. Yeah, it is. It's a terrifying, terrifying time. Bells on shoes. Everyone in tights. Checkerboard patterns on clothes as far as the eye can see. <laughs> That's it. We're done. That's it. What am I wearing under this mask? Well, another mask, of course. This is The Thaw. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Clay, did you have anything you want to say before we melt away? Uh, We are rounding out our second string of Stephen King on Patreon. We are, uh, as Wes mentioned earlier, December will be... Stephen King's yet. Yeah, this is the first episode in December, I think, of of Star Trek 2. Yeah. And uh, next year, our patrons have decided that Amanda and I will be doing a curated list of video nasties. So uh, check out the episode uh, in December to see what the lineup is going to be for next year. And uh, I believe Badass should be back at this point. So Mm -hmm. picking the least busy time of the year to do all this stuff. That's right. Getting it all gift wrapped for you. Yeah, we'll get through Christmas. We'll get through all this, uh, all that stuff. And then... All the shows will kick back up again. Voyager will continue. And we're almost done with season two of Voyager, yeah. uh, which went went by pretty quick, if I do say so myself. That was mm. 26 episodes, and we're almost done with it. So good on us. Um, what is the next episode? Next episode is Tuvix. Okay. So another fun. The real iconic. scariest episode of Voyager. <laughs> 
Some people would say that, I think. Do you know this episode? Are you familiar I am, with this? I am generally aware of what happens, but I don't know the context. Yes, so yeah. I'm excited to see. I know uh, there's a very controversial decision made at the end of it. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of comments on that one. <laughs> It'll be interesting. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for leaving comments about the thaw. We'll see you next week with Tuvok. Tuvox. Tuvix. See ya. <laughs>